You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. In the name of our one God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. To grasp the glory of Christ alone, we must first understand its necessity. Uh, We have been this month of October, uh, as you have likely noticed, we've been celebrating the 500th anniversary anniversary of the Reformation, and we've had a preaching series on the five uh, solas, Christ alone, Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, glory to God alone. And today's focus is Christ alone. Uh, And again, to grasp the glory of Christ alone, we must necessarily first understand um, its necessity, because realistically, forgiveness uh, and grace and redemption and reconciliation, all uh, words of deep truth from the gospel, all wonderful words, all words which we need not only to hear but to experience in our lives, Uh, But to understand the the depth and the significance, the meaning uh, of those words, it's also necessary to understand um, how deeply and desperately we need them. Uh, These words, they're at the heart uh, of the gospel. And Paul, wonderfully, in his letter to the Colossians, brings forth the necessity um, that we be people who experience Uh, the proactive and saving work uh, of God, what he accomplishes uh, in Jesus Christ. And Paul writes this to the church, for in him, and and I'll back up, I'll say this, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, throughout the entirety of the letter, uh, he is lifting up to the people the sufficiency uh, of Jesus alone, uh, that Jesus alone is sufficient for our salvation. Jesus alone is sufficient to reveal God Um, to you and to me. Jesus alone is sufficient for us to place um, our hope in our lives. But Paul writes this about Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Uh, Paul says that we were people who were living um, hostile in our relationship with God and with one another. Uh, Ravi Zacharias um, has a number of quotable, but it's also just fun to say his name, Ravi Zacharias. Um, But uh, one of the things that he said one time that that I remember that, that resonated was, and, and this is the truth, he said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Uh, he didn't come to make bad people good. Uh, Jesus came in order that he might make dead people um, alive. Uh, and that is uh, not merely the message of Paul, that's the message of Scripture, that you and I were people who were dead um, in our sins and our trespasses. We were people who were alienated uh, from God, people that lived uh, in hostility toward them, not people who nearly just, you know, we, we just need to be a little bit better. 
Um, we just need to do um, a little bit better. Uh, we, we need a tune-up. Uh, no, the message is, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, uh, that you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but God, um, who is rich in mercy, um, stepped in and intervened uh, on yours and my behalf, that we might be people who are adopted, that we might be people who are reconciled in our relationship with God, a reconciliation that is accomplished through the blood of Jesus, uh, the once and for all sufficient sacrifice of Jesus for you and for me, uh, his work uh, on the cross. And in speaking of Christ alone, three words I want to lift up to you this morning, three words as we think about Christ alone, as we think about the sufficiency of the cross of Jesus. And those three words are satisfaction, sacrifice, substitution. Satisfaction, sacrifice, substitution. Uh, That in Jesus, God um, is the satisfaction for his holiness, that he substitutes himself uh, on yours and my behalf, that the wrath of God, which should rightly fall upon you and me, God absorbs in himself, uh, in Jesus, uh, in his holiness, in his righteousness, but also in his mercy. Uh, God satisfies uh, his righteous anger, uh, his righteous wrath, and he satisfies it in himself as he becomes the sacrifice uh, and the substitute um, for you and for me, that you and I might amazingly uh, be able to put on Christ uh, and his righteousness. Uh, One of the things that I did early on in ministry that was a great joy to me. Right after seminary, Bishop Salmon of South Carolina placed me at the cathedral in Charleston, and part of my responsibility was to be chaplain to the Episcopal cadets at the Citadel, St. Albans Chapel, and, and as I say, it was a, was a, was a ball, it was a great delight. Had, uh, as a recent graduate, it was, <laughs> it was great to go back and just feel so relaxed on campus. Uh, I could come and go um, as, as I pleased, and, and certainly I could readily identify uh, with what the cadets um, were going through. And, and the Citadel, uh, I'm sure it is today as well, but certainly uh, when I was there, it was a very ripe mission field uh, because it inevitably put people into crisis. Um, and, and so it was, uh, you know, uh, they, were, they were interested in a savior. Uh, they were interested in a deliverer. Um, those were things that were like, you know what? We're, we're ready to hear about that. Uh, and so it was a great opportunity. And uh, years later, after I had uh, left Charleston uh, and actually was here in Birmingham, I got a call uh, just out of the blue from one of the cadets, uh, long since a, a graduate, but he had been a cadet during my time there at the Citadel and asked if I would return to officiate at his wedding. And of course, I was, I was uh, thrilled uh, to return. Uh, I had actually officiated at the funeral of his grandfather, and uh, he had now asked if I would return and officiate uh, his marriage, and of course, as I say, thrilled uh, about that and returned. Uh, And one of the readings which is often read uh, at weddings is Colossians 3, and perhaps uh, you remember Colossians 3, uh, and the portion appointed for weddings is this, put on that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that is Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Perhaps you've heard that read um, at a wedding before, and it's, it's a beautiful portion of Scripture speaking to um, the, the wonderful state for you and for me as, as people who have put on Christ, uh, people who dwell um, in him, the, the opportunity um, through his merits at work in our lives, the opportunity through his power and grace at work in our lives to be people that live in, in love and kindness uh, and fellowship uh, with one another, people that rather than being separated and in enmity with one another, people that experience uh, compassion uh, and kindness uh, and patience uh, and, and grace in our relationship beautiful passage, and uh, the brother of the bride was going to read the lesson. I said, okay, I said, I've got my Bible here, and I have it marked. Would you like to use um, my Bible? No, 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 I've, I've, I've got it. I'm like, no, are you sure? Do you need me to help in any way? You've, no, 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 I've got it. Uh, no problem. Uh, I've, I've got this. Well, when it came time to read that reading, again, that, that sort of lovely word that you would expect to hear at a wedding, right? I mean, weddings are lovely, um, and uh, they're love uh, and kindness uh, and patience. You know, we lift up all these, these wonderful uh, ideals and all of these wonderful attributes. Um, so the bride's brother um, began by reading Colossians uh, 3.1, and he read this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Awesome, lovely, but, you know, not, not quite uh, what they're expecting. But, but what I'm hoping um, to express this morning, that, that amazing news of Christ alone, the opportunity for you and for me uh, to be clothed in his righteousness, to put on Christ. But then he began to read this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And, and their eyes got big, and they're looking, they're looking at me like, what, what's, what's, what's going on here? What are you going to do? I said, just, just wait for it. We're going to get there. We're just, just uh, wait for it. But, and maybe you do this. I've certainly done this before as well. Uh, recognizing his mistake, he doesn't stop and say, oh, Sorry, my bad. Um, and, and start again, but he just continues to plow. Um, he continues to plow straight through, uh, not stopping. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Uh, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being created in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. And then it's put on then as Christ's uh, chosen ones. Uh, and we got to the reception, and the brother of the groom stood up to give his toast. He said, you had me at circumcision. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was kind of this... Shocking moment at the end, I just said amen. Um, but it was, it was actually, it was a, gr- it was a great um, entry into talking about 
um, marriage. It's a great entry into talking about uh, the Christian faith and life. What, what I hope to share with you, because what Paul is saying here, this, this blessed and glorious state uh, of a reconciled relationship with God is necessarily accomplished by Jesus for us, that we were people who were cut off from him. We were objects uh, of wrath, uh, uh, not to belabor, but to belabor that point this morning, for you and for me to understand the depth and the significance of the good news of God and Jesus Christ, we necessarily have to understand how deeply and desperately we needed God's gracious intervention um, to come forth into our lives, that we needed to be reconciled to God um, by the blood of his cross, that he needed necessarily to be uh, the substitution for us, that he needed to be the sacrifice um, for you and for me, that he might once and for all and be the satisfaction that we might have the truth and the depth of those words in our lives which Jesus speaks from the cross. It is finished. Uh, it is finished. That we are people who have been reconciled with God, not through our merits, um, but through his merits. Let me read to you a, a definition uh, of Christ alone. Uh, it's from James Montgomery Boyce's book on the five solas. And Boyce writes this, Justification because of Christ alone means that Jesus has done the necessary work of salvation utterly and completely, so that no merit on the part of man, no merit of the saints, no works of ours performed here or later in purgatory can add to his completed work. In fact, any attempt to add to Christ's work is a perversion of the gospel, and it is indeed no gospel at all. The work of our salvation has been utterly and completely accomplished by Jesus Christ uh, for you and for me. Uh, he paid the price which would rightly fall upon you and me in God's love and his grace and his divine initiative. Uh, he comes forth into the world in Jesus, his son, that you and I might be people who are no longer cut off from God, alienated from him and from one another, but that you and I might be people who experience the reconciling grace of his work in the cross and in the resurrection. And as I lift that up to you today, I pray that you will, one, understand our deep need for it, but also understand the depth as well of God's grace and love and passion for you and for me, and that he provided the necessary work for us, that you and I might find our hope, that you and I might find our strength uh, that you and I might find our, our substance and meaning in Christ alone and what God has done for you and for me, and that in faith in that, uh, we might be clothed uh, in Jesus Christ in a way which reconciles us to God finally uh, and fully, uh, but also in a way that frees us and enables us um, to be people who are um, compassionate, uh, people who are gracious, uh, people who have a radical generosity um, in our lives. And I, I don't just mean money in that. I mean in the way that we um, care for one another, in the way that we extend forgiveness, in the way that we have patience and forbearance uh, and mercy um, toward one another. That you and I being filled uh, and clothed in all the grace and the glory and the goodness of God uh, might be similarly freed uh, in our relationships with one another and have that sure and certain hope uh, of life with Jesus now and life with Jesus to come. Because finally, as he said in the words which we read from John 14, he's accomplished that work. I go before you to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return.
that I might take you unto myself. You and I have a promise and assurance in this life and in the life to come, which nothing can take away from us. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and great praise for your gracious initiative in our lives, that you have come forth in Jesus, your Son, that you have revealed yourself to us completely, that you have reconciled us to yourself by the blood of your cross, that we who were far off have been brought near. Fill our hearts and our minds with the glory of your gracious work for us, that we might place our hope in you, and having our hope in you, that we might live in love and grace and faith with you and with one another. And these things we ask, these things we offer in the name of your Son, Almighty God, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.